This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Investors Roundtable. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. You can follow me on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. And uh, I'm really excited for today's episode. We got uh, we got the crew back together. As Kevin would say that he coined this term, you know, the OGs. We got the OGs back here. We got Kevin Shea, a full-time private investor at The Good Prick on Twitter. Kevin, let's go. You had to wear the Boston hat. Like, what the? Why, why are you doing this to me? Oh, it's my summer hat. Oh, it's you know, summer. I, it just it just generates a lot of conversation. So I, I wear it either to spite people or to get them talking. So well, it's fun. The, well, you know what? If the Yankees, how about this? If the Yankees finish higher in the standings, I think for at least two episodes you have to wear a Yankee hat that I will purchase for you. Oh, you'll send it along as well. I will wear a Boston hat if Boston finishes ahead. Oh, well, there you go. That's it. That's a good. I think I think that's a that's a that's a fair wager, right? We'll send you a well-worn one. <laughs> no, I want that one. No, I'm just kidding. Well, this one, how big is your head? <laughs> I actually kind of have a big head. Oh, this is seven and a half. Seven and a half? Not, I mean, it's a big head. I hope the world's listening. Bobby's well, you know, big. Yeah, I got a big, I got a big head. It's going to be like, you know, that's hat's going to be like when I put, when I put my hat on my 17 month old, old daughter, <laughs> just going to be like a bucket anyways. And we also got joining us because you can't get enough of Tom Brazil. You know, we just put it out our podcast episode this week. You know, it's gotten some incredible feedback. So thank you for all that. And you know what? Sure. We, we had so much fun that Tom, we wanted to have him back on today. So Tom, still what's hot going in this on? room. Thanks it's for having hot. me back. Kevin, it's great to meet. We were talking before. I told this is going to basically just me, like, you know, asking Kevin for more information about like life and, and about like these different areas. He actually knows something about the world, which I think a lot of us investors could use sometimes. You know, so computers I'm put my wisdom hat on then. <laughs> put oh. the wisdom. We're going to call that Boston where, the wisdom hat. No, where is the wisdom hat? Uh, I know he wasn't talking about the Boston Red Sox hat. That's put it sure. away for a while. <laughs> oh, you have a wisdom hat? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so the main, our main topic today that I really wanted to talk about, because this has been getting a ton of play, both on Twitter, vis-a-vis the Lumber Bros, um, you know, and, and just just from personal experience and, you know, my, my, my family members that work in construction, they're seeing raw materials prices go crazy. So I feel like this topic's kind of starting to make the, you know, it's definitely making the rounds on mainstream media and a few other podcasts as well. And that's talking about the rising prices of raw materials, especially in wood and lumber um, as, as probably the most prominent examples. And the question whether or not this is just a supply and demand issue versus this actual being inflation. You know, so Kevin, you know, you've been posting a lot on Twitter about, you know, some of the new, your new woodwork that you've been doing and talking about how, you know, it's been getting a little bit more expensive. So, you know, I wanted to start with you on this. Well, you know, as you know, um, I've been trying to buy a house or build a house over the last nine months. And that uh, has been an eye-opening experience. I know that you have as well. Um, So I've had some up close and personal types of interests and how prices are going up or what they're doing. So um, that's a little bit of background, but the prices of lumber, I've been posting over the last couple of weeks, 
the futures market on 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 uh, lumber and and uh, being a technical analyst, it became apparent that this thing was was really really uh, getting to the top. Um, I believe it's speculation at this point in time, but right now it's probably pulled back thirty percent from its top already at seventeen hundred something like that after going up four x in I think less than a year. But that was pretty interesting. The so I'm following it that way. And the other thing that's quite interesting to me is I had a conversation with a woman that I know. And uh, she lives in South Carolina, and she has a family tree farm, big, big lots of trees. She, she, she's a lumber person. And I said, what's going on with the price of lumber? She said, it's, it's the Canadian mills. And I said, well, what do you mean? She says, they're not operating. And I said, and of course, the, now you get into Canadian politics about we're not going to operate and all that stuff. So, so she was, she was, says, I can't get rid of my wood. I can't, I, I, I can cut it down as fast as they want it, but no one's buying it because it goes to the mills. So that was something that was very interesting to me. And I, I didn't follow up on it, but it seemed like it made sense given yet there are no mills in the United States anymore, big mills. Um, sure. so, so interestingly, and I don't have a view on inflation, so I'm going to be like, but I, I, uh, we got involved in a few sawmill bankruptcies that were in the States, one in North Carolina and one in Florida. Um, they were pretty large projects and they were built for this very reason you were bringing it up, Kevin, which is there aren't a lot of sawmills um, in certain markets of the United States. Also, my understanding, and this is like total novice, but there is actually kind of two markets. There's like the Canadian sort of hardwoods and then there's like the, I guess, the sort of Southern softwoods. softwoods right. And there's like, yeah, and I'm, I'm not an expert on this stuff. But it is interesting because those, those sawmills, they still went off very cheaply, uh, pretty cheaply, I think, uh, the ones that were in North Carolina and Florida. And, and, and they were built for this express reason, uh, which you were talking about, which is there hadn't been a lot of sawmills in uh, a number of years that were built in these, these areas. So sort of- Yeah, that's interesting. You know, As I said, it's that when there's, a, when there's a, a need, people will fulfill it. You know, and, and, and that seems to make sense, but they have to do it at a low cost. And again, you know, how do you do that environmentally? So whether or not they're bound by re restrictions, you know, I don't know whether they are or aren't, but um, it would make, it would be interesting to follow through and find out whether or not there is a, an impact on lumber prices that arises from the mills. Okay. Rather than mm. from, the, from people not wanting to cut down trees or whatnot. This lady. Yeah. So your friend is, so she sends her the, her lumber to, she has to send it to Canada in order for it to get processed. I can't right? say that, Bobby, that, I, didn't get, that I didn't get that far into the details of it. So I can't, I can't okay. speculate one way or the other. But yeah, you see, you see yeah. it coming down already and what's happening technically, um, lumber has, has begun to crash. Now, the other thing I'm not quite sure if you know about, but uh, if you're watching futures, um, you should be watching what's called the commitment of traders. I'm not quite sure if you know what that is, but it's a report that's produced by the federal government every two weeks. And what it does is it, it uh, tells you specifically who's buying what and who's selling. Um, they are called speculators and, and, um, and uh, operators. And what happens is that when you start to see those things deviate, you can get some information what's going on about future costs of wood. And what's happening right now, the, the, the speculation is going way up. Okay, so there is quite a bit of speculation in the market as well. Uh, so um, you can see some of this data on futures um pretty readily i mean it's 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 been around forever and um the way it works is the uh the smart money bails out when the when the stupid money goes in <laughs> quite funny <laughs> but the same thing is true of copper of zinc and tin and lithium and all of the commodities are going up and i think that one of the drivers most likely is is inflation i mean ultimately it's inflation and demand i mean housing 
around where we are up in Maine, houses, they're building houses like it's gone out of style, but then I read it elsewhere that they're not building houses. So I don't know what the, what the regionalities are, but it seems that in some regions, the, the house build, the um, home, the new home construction market is actually suffering, it's going down. So I don't know how to factor that in either, but you know, of course, if, if you can't get copper, if you can't get, you know, stuff, people start looking at other things. And the interesting thing about it is, is that I, I, uh, I, I found this, I know this guy out in uh, Illinois, he builds concrete houses. Literally, he basically pours concrete houses and they're becoming popular, but you know, they're not gonna take over the world, but there are alternatives out there. So again, if plumbing gets too expensive, people won't build the houses or they'll start to build them in other, in other materials. I think it's a, it's a decent component of cost. So it is something to worry about, right? I mean, it's, it's not like you can't make the argument that it's a small component of the input cost. Um, what, actually, I what, think a pretty sizable piece. Yeah, like it's yeah, a percentage housing. of housing cost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's, it's fairly, fairly substantial. I mean, my, my thing, my kind of approach though, guys, like when the stuff is like, I take all that color in and all that, that temperature, but at the same time, it's sort of like, need to find stuff from a bottom-up perspective so i don't mind being long this stuff even if it feels overheated if it's for an attractive price but i definitely have to discount you know like i, I saw a spec the other day that was like a two it, they just struck a deal at it's 2022 earning 2022 2022 ebit estimates but a two times 2022 ebit estimates and you just think jesus this must be what the top looks like you know not not the top but just like where you know when you get like peak valuations um on like numbers like you know they look it looks cheap i mean it's value guys i suppose or at least for myself considering myself as quasi value person <laughs> i have to be careful not to like you know jump into boiling water anyway no, that's, that's what i worry about with all this stuff <laughs> yeah there are some other there are some other things i wrote about this a while ago and that uh, when sports figures begin to create their own spacs you knew the yeah. top was in I mean, it, when, when the stupid people start to act like they know what they're talking about, you know the top is in. So that's quite interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. You see weird stuff. I've seen a lot of times, though, where, like, people just don't anticipate, like, how hard and far something can run. Like, I remember seeing there was a guy that was, like, the founder of, like, Equinix. Equinix is, like, one of the large, largest co-location, like, like, you know, like, uh, data centers and stuff. Data centers. And he was talking, it, it was from like the 90s was the interview he gave. And he was like, oh man, we used to like, you know, rack them and stack them. We were making like 200% returns on our invested capital. So like when these guys showed up and offered me like $200 million, I thought they were nuts. And now that's like a $40 billion company or something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I do think sometimes you get these like really, I'm not saying lumber is that, I'm not trying to like make that case. I'm just trying to make, there are situations where things run a lot further than even domain people because you were all sort of colored by when you came in like if you if you were in a hard cyclical industry and then it sort of like didn't become hard cyclical anymore or became less cyclical or had a nice super cycle like you would totally miss it because you'd be like well this is the time to sell right. you know even though it's two times like we got to sell the steel mill um so i don't know it's, it's it's to me it's much it's harder i'm willing to i'm willing to take on i'm willing to walk into the the hot, the hot seeds. I'm not sure what, what's going on with Gary over there. Gary. Yeah, uh, no, Gary. Gary's. I, I think. I think we're getting. Are we getting a chat roulette here? You know, we're getting. Uh, we're getting. Trolled. I like it. I like it. Yeah, like, I like it too. 
Am I on? <laughs> yeah, you're on. You're we on. can't see you. <laughs> oh. You're live on the air. You're, you're live on the air, man. How do I turn them? Uh, geez. All right. Turn into one of those. I'm going to turn on my cat face so I can. Yeah. We were just talking about this. <laughs> I think we need more Zoom education. Mike. Uh, I don't think we need another you know hosting platform. There he is. There you go. Hey, look at that. I have the, uh, there it is. the camera cover on so the NSA can't watch me. Hey, wait a second. See. That looks like a real background. Is that a real background? No. My poster. You can see him. You can see him doing this. <laughs> oh, really? By the way, Kevin, that's a real hat of wisdom right there that Gary's wearing. Okay, not this. Oh, oh yeah, my Tesla oh, hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those hats that's are gonna a, go. That's it's a... gonna take you a long way. <laughs> I have an I have an opinion about Tesla, by the way. I have no opinion. <laughs> I mean, you swag. can't. You can't. That that's too good of a. That's Come too on, good let's of hear a, it. Yeah, let's, let's hear, hear this it. opinion. I mean, Come you on. know. Take a look. Kevin. Take a look at the difference. Take a look at the difference between the Ford stock price and Tesla stock price right now. I love this. You like the, you like the Ford news? Ford's, I was sending Ford's it all to my truck friends to see if they were interested in the Ford I truck. Took a, I took a survey, and even though it was quite small, I took a survey of, it was simply this. If you were to buy an electric, an EV truck, pickup truck, which would you buy? The F-150 mm -hmm. or the Tesla Cybertruck? 66% came back and said, I'll buy the Ford truck. And one of the reasons why is because it's a proven vehicle. The Cybertruck. <laughs> I mean, they said, these windows don't smash. <laughs> remember when they threw the rock at it and the thing just demolished? I remember that was great. Imagine, no, but I mean, the cyber truck's really interesting. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, right time, right time here for uh, for Ford. Are you oh, long, Kevin? You're supposed to disclose if you're long. I think the legacy is going to blow them out of the water simply because of the fact that they know how to build cars. And I still have people that I know uh, who work there. Um, and so oh, that's right. You have, a, you, have a, you, have a, you have a background in the, in the, yeah. the, the car industry. Yeah. So really, so, but, but you, you don't like Tesla, but do you like Ford? I think that like, I think in the long term that the legacy companies will take over the EV market. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's that's probably the probabilistic bet to make. Right. I mean, it's yeah. like they have the infrastructure. They're not total dodos. Yeah, okay, maybe they were a little slow on moving, but well, that's what incumbents reason. do. They they're also slow. They wait to make sure it works, and then right. they go in and, and they, steal it. They make it sure it works. That's the interesting thing because the what's happening right now on autonomous drive. We're moving off of commodities, but if you talk about com, um, autonomous drive, um, Ford will. Ford will stick between two and two plus, which is the one of the things where you basically have to have a person sitting be in front of the vehicle, sitting at driving, yeah. driving. Where um, Tesla has already said we can go to three or four, and of course, what's happening is that there is massive problems with that. They, uh, I saw one where they, and this is exactly the situation, is that uh, uh, one of the guys I know out there was talking. He's basically leading the autonomous vehicle drive um, effort, and what he was saying is that uh, it's very difficult to not drive under a semi truck trailer okay oh wow one of, the, right. one of the best one of the best things i saw like about six months ago was a picture of the tesla we're going to run underneath the trailer and i, I sent them i sent a note to my friend i said is that the issue he says yeah it doesn't know the difference it doesn't know that it doesn't know that something in the way so but since, so with, kevin since you know a bunch about the space what, what what can someone do what do you think the best place to be here should it be in the batteries should it be in the components going in should it be in the big car manufacturer incumbents where should you oh, be in I, this whole 
I've been I've been investing short term in Ford based upon their stock price and their, their technical analysis. I just think that they're going to do well in the long run. VW doing the same thing. Um, disclosure, I am, disclosure, I'm Bobby. Very, I'm very interested in in battery technology, but particularly interested in uh, anything that wraps around like graphene. As I mentioned earlier, I think graphene is an mm. unbelievable new material. Um, if they can if they can produce a battery. Uh, that's going to be massively disruptive in in the way in which people will accept it because the charging uh, is ten times as fast as um, and this is all scientific uh, R and D at this point in time, um, but the charging promise promises to be um, very very fast. I mean, basically the same speed as filling up your tank with gasoline. So I I'm, I think that's a five year story. Graphene, um, of course, graphite. Uh, is certainly going to be a dominant player in the in the overall. This is, goes back to commodities. Uh, graphite will be a dominant um, uh, contrib contributor to battery technology. It's going to go. The, the amount of graphite required is massive. Uh, same thing is probably probably true with cobalt. Um, again, there are now multiple technologies that are out there. That um, uh, there's an aluminum ion battery that's being built. Uh, so there's multiple competing. Um, technologies, but they're all based upon, you know, an existing commodity, um, which, you know, one has to go through and find out whether or not the commodities are available or what. I mean, you know, tin, cobalt, um, graphene is a, is a produced product. It's not, it's not a material where graphite yeah. is. It's so Kevin, yeah. Blue Horseshoe loves graphene. <laughs> Blue Horseshoe. I had to get it in, Bobby. <laughs> That's uh, from Wall Street. The Wall Street Blue Horseshoe. Blue Horseshoe loves Anacott Steel. Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> something in, no, that's what he's trying to like pass inside information or something. Anyway, yeah. I digress. No, that's, that's too funny. So you so, wouldn't okay, so we gotta find a graphene company. All right, now I have homework to do, Kevin. I have to find a graphene and I need what about copper? You know, are you long were you, are you what do you thought? I think this will affect copper? Um too I, hot already. I've already been in and out of copper, but I, I, I don't play the commodities, but I, I find stocks that are out there doing it. Um, there are some, a, there are some, sorry, plays, but they're, you have to go, you have to go to Canada for most of them, you know, for these fuel plays. Somebody so had like, mentioned a, uh, like a copper recycling company. Oh, there's copper um, recycling, there's lead recycling, there's everything recycling. That's, that's the, there's a lead recycling aqua metals. I don't own it. AQMS. Uh, they're a lead recycling uh, uh, play. Um, uh, they seem to be doing pretty well. The, the last the two recyclers I touched, I got bludgeoned on. What was it like? Gary will know the name of this. What was the one that like? Uh, who was the Canadian guy? It was like Guy Spear and Workhorse, or something wasn't called Workhorse. Horse, Come on, was, it horse, was it Horsehead uh, Zinc? Horsehead. Oh, yeah, it was zinc. What they like recycling zinc or something? Yeah, I forget. I, I never really got involved in that one. I never really understood it. So I guess I'm I lucky. never understood it. It looked cheap all the way to zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, cheap. Well, it's Canada, man. That's the way of them sometimes, right? But the one thing I mean, that. To be fair, like they got outschooled in the bankruptcy process. Like Guy Spear, God love him. Like he just got totally outschooled. Like he did not know what he was doing. <laughs> Right. In U.S. bankruptcy court, and like the U.S. distress guys just walked all over them. 
So the guys that bought it, I think, got a pretty good deal. I can't remember the name of the firm. It's not going to come to me like Wild Horse. You know these like names. People come up with stupid names for firms. But it was a Gray yeah. Wolf, I think it's called. They're called Gray Wolf. Gosh, now I'm going to get like hate mail from someone that works there. Um, anyway, continue. Kevin, now that I've offended three people in the story course of uh, a minute, I'm getting good at this podcasting thing. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you one name that I do own. It's uh, Nouveau, oh, Nouveau Mond. Uh, they're oh, you, you own that. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I interviewed yeah. that company like seven years ago. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're getting closer and closer. I mean, their production facilities going, going in. I don't own a whole lot of it. I just want to watch it. You know, you buy a, you buy a small thing and you watch it. Hey, Kevin, cause like I've interviewed a few graphite companies. I mean, what's, yeah. what's, what's the, the big, what, what, what's Cause it's, it's so different you than, for? you know, some of these gold and silver mining companies, you know, what's, what's their big hurdle when it comes to getting, past feasibility to actually construct the mine. Is it more expensive to build a graphite mine than it is a gold silver mine? I don't know what the cost to build the mine is. I mean, the, the mining, the mining is far, far different than the production. They get to, <laughs> they got to find the mine. They got to drill, they got to do right. all the geology. They have to do all that stuff. So I mean, yet, in my opinion, you have to separate the mining from the production. I mean, and then I don't know, again, I've seen mining. I asked one guy one time, I said, are you a mining company or are you a product company? He says, we're both. And I laughed at him. I said, you're like, mine. You know, you're an idiot. Jesus. You know, we're both. I said, no, you're not. Because, the, again, I think the thing you What do you at, want us to be, Kevin, so you buy my stock? I want you to be, be money-making for me. Making money. I'm whatever you want me to be. So the stock uh, yeah. You want to buy the 3M? Yeah, I want to buy 3M. Make me money. No, so there's a lot I love of, this though. Yeah. I didn't. I hadn't really thought about it. I hadn't really thought about uh, graphite. I looked, tried to find a copper play. And there was that one the last special suit guys were following, but it just ran so hard so far. Um, I was just going, eh. yeah, I forget the name of the one I had. I've had a very short period of time. Uh, but I, yeah, I but, yeah. but again, I the, like the, the, the reason, why, reason why I'm into graphite is because I'm into electric batteries, electric car batteries. Yeah. So I, I think that the battery technology is going to go. Uh, it's going to make significant inroads over the next couple of years. Few, I shouldn't say a couple of years, over the next five years. Uh, and when it does, um, you may need, you may, you may actually have a phone that hasn't got a battery in it. It actually has a capacitor in it and it just sucks power off the capacitor because the capacitor is, is so capable of being able to hold its charge for so long that you don't need, a, you don't need to be recharging a battery. So really? this, this, these technologies are unbelievable. I mean, Kevin, at some point, I was hoping to come up with a company where we could just, you know, put the battery like right on the side of your thigh. You know, you insert it in the skin so that when you have your phone, you can just put your no, phone gonna, no, in your pocket the phone and, it, and you, it'll charge while it's in, while it's stuck to your ass. Like I figured that that, that might be something. <laughs> Mommy, <laughs> Mommy is like going to have a career as like a science fiction writer. Jesus Christ, that's frightening. Well, if it doesn't work out in microcaps, you know. I, I, <laughs> Yo, all right, let's, I want to bring Gary in on this. Gary, okay, so Gary. Go, go back to our, to the original topic. You know, we, we already went down. Like, anything that I've heard so far. That's, <laughs> that's hard to do. I have opinions on lots of different things, but. You, you got your I'm out of my element when we're talking about car batteries or cell phone batteries for that matter. I just want, you know, I just want Apple not, not to brick my phone on an upgrade. That's, that's all I'm looking for is it really batteries. Yep. Fair enough. My wife just my wife just replaced her phone because her battery was down to like 70%. Wasn't even holding charge. So she, bought, she had to buy a new a new phone. Yeah. 
So, so Gary, real quick. So, you know, the original topic that we were talking about today is supply demand dynamics versus, you know, is this signs of inflation? You know, what's your, what's your thoughts on this just in general? And, you know, I'm sure you're going to come up with a rabbit hole that all three of us will want to then go down. No, I think it's, I think it's interesting. I think the pandemic upended a lot of the, uh, the order. And why the hell am I getting a call from Kentucky? I'm not taking a call from Kentucky. Um, anyway. Loop them in, bring them on the phone. <laughs> yeah, bring them on. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been hearing all these different things about like, um, like these container ships, like the, that whole supply train is completely cocked. Um, and then, you know, just things like you weird, weird supply things like you wouldn't think of. Like I was listening to a podcast with some uh, HBS professors and they were talking about how like they can't find a tent because like the, 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 the way that they're shipped, there's like a strap that they hold them down by and they can't get the strap. And so like, it's just like all sorts of like really, really weird stuff that like you would never think of. Um, got this got disrupted in the supply chain issues and I just think it's I mean I went through I was sitting with my partner Eric yesterday and uh, the FT had a whole list of things that were going up in price and I said okay let me read these off to you and you tell me which ones of these things do you think are temporary and which ones are permanent and it was like okay bacon well that seems kind of temporary to me you know uh, corn okay they're just going to plant more next year and so I'm going down the list of these things and it's like some things are hard to get more of and but most things I think you know, the cure for high prices are, <coughs> are the high prices, but yeah. you know, the, the <coughs> excuse me. You got this point across. I'm like, I'm like, all COVID. Um, the cure for a cough is more coughing. I know cure, cure for more cough, but I was talking to like the labor shortage thing. Like that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like that's probably the biggest supply demand imbalance issue as I see it from like a longer term perspective, because, um, you know, sort of like, okay, lumber's way up, but like, I just sort of think that like these, these industries where capacity was disrupted, if it brings more capacity, that's probably the worst thing for prices long-term. So, you know, cause capacity in an, in an industry, once it's there, it, it doesn't really come back out very fast. Like the, the these guys, um, these UK guys, Thomas, that wrote this book on it called the. Uh, you probably read it. Yeah. It's uh, Capital Cycle the Investing. The Marathon yeah, guys, right? The marathon guys. Isn't that, isn't yeah, where, marathon uh, out of London. Marathon. Marathon out of London. Isn't that where uh, like Nick Sleep and those guys started? They came out of Marathon. I mean, they, I don't know if Nick Sleep came out of Marathon, but there was a, like a little diaspora of people. Like you'll see this with like big firms that are quite illustrious. Like when they sort of yeah. shut their doors, it's like Tiger Club, right? You have like Julian Roberts shuts down, and then like. People were like, oh my God, he influenced so many people. Yeah, but also like Matt, the thing basically blew up and everybody, not blew up, but you know, it sort of shuts it down. Great, now I'm offended Julian Robertson. Um, yeah. You know, everybody, you know, goes out into the world and so you get like a diaspora, kind of, I guess, you know, DLJ or something like that, or, you know, right. it works with Mike Milken and, and then things like that. And they're like, oh, they were so influential. Yeah, they were, but also like imagine if like a firm that was like, you know, a hot shot firm goes under. I mean, in Marathon's case, they just, I think they just sort of like, I don't think it was performance. I think they just sort of were like retiring. And I think they seeded a few of their spinoffs. I mean, eventually you get tired of dealing with outside people asking about how they're, how you're managing their money and you just sort of hand it back to them, right? Like, isn't that? Nah, never. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but like, the, like, the, it's like the, I love when people the come to the kitchen and tell me what I'm doing right and wrong. 
<laughs> Somebody asked me like, like, why don't you do some of this weirdo stuff for like on a larger scale? And I'm like, I don't want to answer questions about it. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear other people's thoughts and opinions, like uneducated thoughts and opinions on the matter. Um, but you know, the labor shortage stuff, I think that's, that's a bit more real. Um, and I sort of, in the, in the States here, we've got these enhanced unemployment benefits and people are making more money staying home than they are showing up the jobs. That's absolutely right. Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday. He's telling my mom, my mom's a bankruptcy lawyer and she talks about this all the time. Why would anyone file for bankruptcy? They make more money on unemployment than they will work in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like a MAGA hat wearing, you know, whatever. I'm more of like a. No, she can walk you through the math. She can walk you through, well, it's $600 for this and you get $300 for this. In in New Jersey, it's like 400 bucks a week. I think you get, plus there's a $300, you know, federal kicker. So it's like 700 bucks a week. If it's a 40 hour work week, it's 1750 an hour, give or take. Right. If I do my math right, it feels like it might, that's about right. And, and so like, I don't know. You can sit home and do that. The first ten thousand dollars of them are tax free. I don't know if you own FICA on the rest of it or not, but like, like it's hard to it's hard to compete with that. I got a buddy that owns a flooring business in Ohio, very very successful flooring business, and you know I, he's trying to fill up a warehouse, and you know he gets twenty applicants for every job posting. Maybe fifteen of them schedule appointments, and only one of them show up for the interview. They're all just trying to prove that they're looking for work. Yep. And so you know, does this last as long as the federal like? I don't know. You could sit home and play Fortnite and trade crypto and get, you know, unemployment from the government. Or you know, Thomas is like, I'm really calling him out on the floor of the floor. Dude, here. Like, Jesus, Gary, what did I do to you? I haven't like, insulted you yet. Yeah, like Tom. Tom, he's looking this way because he's got his Fortnite screen going on right here, and he's got. His <laughs> like, <screen running. laughs> I mean, I, 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 I totally get it. I just, I just, I, I think from a social policy perspective, it's not not great and so you're, you're not you're not a fan of basic basic income i mean you're saying we basically somehow walked into basic income without realizing it i think we walked into basic income without realizing it and kind of backdoored into the fight for 15 because the employers have to compete with 1750 coming from the unemployment benefits so you've you've sort of backed into a new minimum wage uh which is fine and all, but like, you know, eventually what's going to happen is if you're out of the labor force long enough, like your skills deteriorate, you know, you're, you, like as an employer, I look at somebody who's been out of the work- workforce for several years and you sort of wonder why, you know, it's, it's, wanna, yeah, it's a good deal if you can get it. So like, I, I kind of think like, I, I don't know, like if I was studying public policy, I would continue to pay these people whatever through the end of it, even if they found a job and like, just get people back in the workforce and but that's not, uh, you know, I don't set social policy. You know, I don't control, I don't control the way the world works. So, damn it. But I do think that that's real, um, and it's going to have more lasting impacts. I mean, the supply stuff. We're just going to be flooded with supply next year, and a lot of the stuff that's more commodity based, it's you know, cost of production will fall. Um, and that may not be true, and that may not actually be true of oil. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm old enough to remember when Democrats were bad for big oil. I actually wonder if they're kind of good because they're going to regulate supply discipline uh, through fiat, you know, through executive orders and stuff. But, uh, you know, so it's, it's just weird. It's like, it's, there's all, I, I, it seems like there's never been more distortions out there. Yep. And it's really hard to get a handle on what's actually happening. Uh, and so in, with that, I mean, for this bulk of what we do, the answer to what we do with this is sort of, nothing we sort of keep doing what we what we believe works but um it's hard don't you think 
can I can I can I take the other side of this like worry? I feel like there's a lot of people talking about <laughs> inflation and are these numbers sustainable? Like everything I end up like looking at or talking to someone, they, there's always like, well, are these numbers sustainable? Like that's like every conversation goes down to that. It was like the same conversation you had in the middle of COVID when they were like, yeah, but Tom, like, aren't their revenues zero right now? I'm like, well, yeah, they are zero right now. Uh, people don't go to the gym during COVID, although, uh, you know, so so there are things like that. Um, I don't know. I kind of think all the volatilities, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sound too flippant, but it's, it's kind of fun. And it also like adds a lot of opportunity. Uh, uh, and so like, I have really no view on any of this stuff, but of course it, the Howard Marks really is, I think some people, I, just, I think don't like him. Now I'm going to offend him. Uh, I'm just going to see how many people are going to offend in this podcast who are my heroes. Um, and he says like, oh, you know, you take the temperature of the market, but you don't, you know, you don't use it to like instruct, you just use it to like inform yourself about like what's going on and kind of take the temperature of where you are and kind of like make sure you kind of understand where you are in a cycle. Um, and I'm really butchering the way he says it, but some people don't like him because they think, oh, he's kind of like just a, ta a talking head, but he's still right. I mean, he's still right. I mean, which is, it's still helpful to take these temperatures. I mean, if something's going off at two times, even though there's probably a reason. You know, I was having conversations with someone last night and they were talking about a business that you know, seven times, you know, uh, EV EBITDA for this business or seven times free cash flow, whatever you want to use, um, let's call it free cash flow, is cheap. But is it cheap if you're like at the kind of topish side of the cycle? That's what the business is trading for. It's trading for seven times. And so, you know, you get into these discussions. Um, but I think all that creates opportunity for us because that's our job, right? We're sort of out there hunting and, you know, we're talking about the stuff bottom down, or sort of top down. But then at the end of the day, you're sort of investing bottom up. So yeah. I love all this volatility. I think it's, you know, it's interesting. It's never dull. That's why it's so fascinating, right? Like, do we, does anybody on the call, like, know the answer to any of this stuff? No. And so it's like, but that's what makes it fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I've been spending more time trying to figure out what is, you know, it's all in relation to what, what's, it, what's, it, what's in the price, right? Like, what's, what's in the market right yeah. now? And, you know, What's in the market right now is really, it's it's kind of hard to tell actually um, in a lot of instances because it's we've never we have nobody who's alive has dealt with something like this before and so like what we're what I'm trying to spend time figuring out is what's going to last longer than people think what's going to revert faster than people think and like that's the whole game right it's it's all expectations theory and it's hard but like why should our job it's be over easy? under it's kind of like, go it's, ahead, it's, Kevin, what were you saying? A little bit fascinating because when you get down to these things is how much stuff will be baked in. Um, my wife and I had these conversations about uh, things that we're finding uh, during this, during this uh, period that we're trying to build this house. Um, and it, it kind of comes back down to this is that when prices go up based upon the ideas that lumber is expensive, do prices recede when the lumber comes back down again? It's a little bit like a conversation we've had when the airlines basically were, when the gas prices on the airlines were ridiculously high and they put in a, sub, they put in a fee for, for gasoline, for air, um, um, aviation fuel. Did that ever come back out when, when aviation prices dropped? No. So, so there's a very interesting subset here is, is that will, will providers, will resellers or sellers drop their prices or maintain them 
at the same level so that uh, they make even more money. So again, if a house is if a house now is being built for say six hundred thousand dollars, pick a number, um, and and twenty percent of it is lumber, and when lumber costs lumber prices go down by fifty percent, does the house price go down? I mean, this is the thing that's interesting to me is how does it impact the everyday everyday individual? I'll give you one thing also, we'll talk about um, there, I see that there's actual greed going on in this market right now, in the housing market. Um, we were talking to a guy to, up in Maine, you want to, you don't get your own, well, you have to drill a well to get your water. And the drilling a well costs you $8,000 typically over the last number of years, $8,000, $8,500. It's costing you $16,000 now, okay? Just to drill a well. Okay. I don't know whether that's greed or whether or not that's just speculation that the that the well driller is doing or why. I mean, there's no there's, there's nothing in the way of this guy. He has his own equipment. The equipment's already there. It's already purchased. It's already amortized. All that stuff. And all he's doing is making all he's doing is doubling his price. I mean, I don't see any supplier demand issues with that or anything of that type. All I see is pure greed. OK, um, whether I'm right or not, I don't know. But how much of the stuff is pure greed going on now? I mean, it's, it's is it well, the, the other question with this is like the pricing elasticity, how much of it, you know, where where is it elastic and what is it? Where is it inelastic is another interesting question. Um, you know, I kind of think like it's hard to back wages off once you've raised them to 1750 or 20 bucks an hour. Like, I don't think people are going back down to like I was talking about, like I was like, so when this customer goes away, you're hiring people like, are you back off of? 17, 18 bucks an hour, or are you going back down to 14? What are you doing? And he's like, well, I really can't do that because like, you know, you can't cut people's pay. And then the other thing is if you hire somebody new at a lower level, like these people like hang around and they talk, you don't want that. So it's like, it's kind of going to be a little stickier, I think on the wage front, at least uh, that doesn't mean it's going to go anywhere from there, but it's, it's stickier on the wage front. That's for sure. Well, wages will drive where, it's, where, it's where appropriate. It will drive automation for certain. There's no question about that. I mean, Gary, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Oh, sorry, Kevin, Kevin, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, no, 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 go, Bobby. No, no, I was going to say, I actually just saw a news release from Microcap yesterday, actually making a, a public announcement saying that they're, um, <clears throat> that they announced that it's a $20 per hour minimum wage for all employees. So who knows, that might, that might now be a thing. Where, well, the yeah. thing about it is, if you also go back and look at stuff that goes on, there was social engineering. I mean, social investing many years ago, and um, Ben and Jerry's was probably was ben, ben and Jerry's at the time. They, they did go public, and one of the things that they claimed that they were going to do is that they were going to have the the CEO make I forget what the number was make no more than five x of the lowest employee, some number of that type. Okay, and and that was fine, but then again, they held like four million shares. <laughs> you know, right. so. There was, there's a little bit of, um, I don't know if it's hypocrisy or whatever, but um, so there, there, there have been ways that there have been means that people have used to try to keep this like equality, uh, some, some level of equality in, in organizations. But, it, it, but what's, what's also happening is that more and more automation is, is being driven into it. So you're cutting out people. Right? So again, if prices go up, something's going to change. As, I, as we were saying earlier, is that opportunity, Tom was talking about opportunity. I think crises of this type or any, any sort of disruption of this type create more opportunities. I mean, it's just, a, it's just the nature of the beast, has been and always will be. Yeah. 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 No, there's Sorry about your world, Kevin. I won't forget <laughs> that. It was a very vivid image. Guy. <laughs> on the what? Trying to, on the well, you know, nothing worse than someone trying to. Yeah, oh, the well, the well, the driven, the drying, the well. Yeah, yeah, I can do it myself. Get a couple spoons and start to work, you know. <laughs> I'll come up there. 
I'll come up, no, come up to Maine. Where in Maine are you, by the way? Uh, Maine's beautiful. We're going to totally put Cape Porpoise. Cape Porpoise. Cape Porpoise. That just sounds beautiful. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, you, come Kevin, to lobsters. real quick, Google. I mean, real quick, Kevin, I, I have to ask, you know, when you're looking at different, um, you, you know, a uh, 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 bill or was, was it? different potential uh, uh, mock-ups for building the house, you know, you almost have to think about it like a trader. It's like, okay, do I accept it today? Or do I have to accept, should I wait maybe a week from now? Cause like, I know my, my sister-in-law, like she does all, she does all the, the, the um, putting together, you know, uh, what's, what's the, bids. you know, the bids. That's right. She puts, she puts together all the bids and she's like, you know, she'll give it one week. And then the prices of all the materials go up over, you know, the next week. And she has to re, she has to recreate it, resubmit it because right. it's, you know, she well, has to what's going to on. It's crazy. I'll, I'll tell you what's going on, Bobby. The, since, since I live in, in, in a lobstering town, um, when you buy lobster, you get it at market price. There is no real price. It's, it's X, Y, Z, however we caught. It's always market price. Okay. The weirdest thing that came across was that the, the local, there's a big hardware store called Hammond, Hammond Hardware. Uh, um, ham and lumber. And when you walked in the door to buy lumber, it was market price. Literally, every board for the linear for it was basically not not the same yesterday, it's the same today. So it defines what you're just talking about, how things have been changing. And the other thing about it is that you sound like you're a trader. Um, this is this is classic because it's exactly where I'm sitting, both my wife and I. Do we buy it now or do we buy it later? Do we get the price? Do we get a discount now if we wait? No. All these we're asking all these questions, so we get a discount. The more interesting thing was was uh, that really came across was the uh, as a trader, what I have come to learn by a lot of mistakes is don't chase, just simply don't chase price. If you're going to do it, you want to chase it in a, in a, in a much um, more restrained fashion. <clears throat> I was damned if I was going to chase price when I was asking when I putting in offers for the house. Okay, we did put in offers, we did put two offers in both over the over the ask. I mean, over the, yeah, over the ask. And we got swamped by somebody else who paid cash for it. They was, I mean, who's the biggest, who's, I mean, is somebody stupider than I am? I don't know. And the question we have is, is that will those, will those, will those houses come back in the market in a year after the person from Texas learns that when you're living in Maine, it ain't the same as Texas and they want to try to sell the house. Are they going to be able to sell the house for the same thing they paid it for? Or will they actually take a take a loss because the the market has come back to something no, near normal? So there hey, is quite a bit of the Robbie. I was just saying, there's quite a bit of trader brain um, being used in these in these uh, you know, these things. Yeah. You know. Hey, and now and now that Bitcoin is a legal tender in El Salvador, now that you have to think about it on the other side too. It's like, okay, wait, do I? I got to think about the pricing of the lumber, and then also I got to think about the pricing of my Bitcoin. I could give less Bitcoin for the price. This that. I mean, lumber and Bitcoin prices is down. Nobody Bitcoin, can understand Bitcoin this. Is going down to, Bitcoin is going down to 10. Wait, 000. correlation? No, no, well, they're both, they're, both going, they're both going the wrong way. I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a funny story about El Salvador. I don't know how many criminals still exist in El Salvador, but over the history of the country, they've always been corrupt, 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 corrupt bad, right? It probably has more criminals in it than anybody else. And who, who owns most Bitcoin? Criminals. They're laundering money. It's Bitcoin is the new- you're really, insult, you're really insulting Tom. Why, is he a Bitcoin holder? I'm a Where Bitcoin holder. I'm I here. I have, to, I have to, uh, to drive here, but I can hear everything. 
I'm, okay. I'm highly insulted, Kevin. I'm not coming for lobster, and I won't help you with your well now. I'm very upset. Well, you know, there's a big, there's a big word that begins with F that uh, I'm sure. probably shouldn't use here, so up, up yours. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Tom, are you are you riding your bike to your... Tom, are you I, riding I your... Are you... Oh, come on. You got to give everybody a look and see a beautiful port. I can't oh, you're not really going to see much. I have my mask on. I got a dog barking at me. This is where we are here, people. This is a beautiful Forte de Marmi. Uh, I'll take it off. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I wouldn't say, Kevin, this is, this is a longer conversation. Uh, this is a whole topic. But, I, I, you know, I understand people are incredulous of, of crypto. And I also think there's so many ways to make money. Like you don't have to be into, you know, lumber or, or you don't need to be into crypto. You don't need to be into lots of things. Just do the things, you know, that make sense to you. Honestly, there's just so many ways to make money. I don't, I don't, I don't ever, I'm not Buy like high, I sell crypto. Well, I, I, I agree with this. Like one of the things that I, that I had to learn was like the ways that I know how to make money and like, like does the investing that I'm doing just jive with my personality and my makeup. Yeah. And I learned that by losing money, all kinds of different ways yeah. and sort of, uh, you know, eventually what happens is you stop losing money and then maybe, you know, you make some money and then, you know, as, as you've learned to play within your game, hopefully you get better and better at it. And yep. uh, yeah, it's fascinating because it, doesn't have, involve, it doesn't have to involve crypto. I mean, no, it can do anything. Yeah. The, the only thing is, is pick what you pick what you feel comfortable at. You said like it has to like Gary was saying, it's more like a lifestyle thing. You have to it has to fit your personality. And one of the things that I I know I suck at is day trading. It's mm -hmm. actually hourly trading. I suck at it. Okay. Um, I don't know why it just totally get you, your emotions get totally changed out. So I agree with that, uh, that you, you should trade with what you want. I don't trade futures. I don't trade a biotech because I, I just don't want a binary event whacking me. Um, just don't lose the money. You know, it's one of those things. It's, it's, I think there's a lot to it. Money management, the whole idea, learn, learn this stuff, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I read um, a lot of the Jack Schwager books. I don't know if you guys have read those, yeah, but yep. the, I mean, yep. the one thing, I mean, the only don't all these guys made money different ways. The one thing yep. I learned from it was that, like, there's lots of different ways to make money. You just get to figure out which one yep. is going to work for you. Yep. And uh, it's a self it's, it's a self-discovery process as much as it is an education and markets uh, process. And. Yep. I think there's a lot of people who don't realize it's a self-discovery process and uh, maybe uh, maybe never realize it's a self-discovery process. But uh, yep. for me, well, it's a constant process of like collecting learnings and self-discovery and then sort of just trying to gradually expand my comfort zone, what I'm able to do, what I know, what I think I know, and, um, you know, just if you can just expand it a little bit every day, you know, you can look back after 10 years and say, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a lot. That's a, that's a lot that I've learned along the way. And a lot of interesting people that I've met. And, you know, I know a lot about myself now that I didn't know before. And, you know, you could sort of like, I don't want to say transcend the game, but like, cause I don't think that that's possible, but like you certainly transcend yourself a bit. And I, I'm using the word transcend because I'm involved in a company who, it's a gold mining company whose goal is to, he stated, he stated his goal, and I've never heard anybody say this before, to transcend valuations for, or transcend valuations for gold company. I'm like, 
what a crock of bullshit. Like I understand that, sure. Yeah. I mean, like, what the hell does that even mean? Like that's it's like good. it's like that's a as far as promoter promotion goes, that's that's pretty good. That's I mean, he might as well come out and said, as a CEO, I'm looking to self-actualize. Like, what the <laughs> fuck does that mean? <laughs> like, and like, as a shareholder, I kind of hope he does succeed in transcending valuations, whatever the hell that means. But I just can't believe I've got this much invested in a guy that's this dumb. You're never going to know if it's a goal or not. It's a perfect goal setting. You know, it's like, it's kind of a washy thing. Doesn't really mean anything. Sounds great. Yeah, I mean that I sounds, agree, like Gary. Good, sounds like sounds like a good political I, like slogan. Transcend the, about valuation. <laughs> I think the Schwager books are actually quite good to read as, as an investor, and not only that, but you will read completely different ideas about how to make money than what you yeah. think you're doing. It's it's fascinating to me that some guys are basically doing. One guy was doing it um, by just he 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 actually scoured uh twitter i think it was something like that much faster than anybody else could and so what he was able to find was he was able to find trending activities before anybody else and he invested simply on those trends the other guy was was something he he, he, he was doing events i think keel is an event driven um investor as he mentioned in the past but you know we sit down so what events you know the tech, well you know when something happens it's jesus you know, yeah, I, I think, really I think tom and i are of that same sort of variety i can't speak for i'm, not I'm an event guy yeah. event, event driven also like yeah, for me i'm driven. a misplaced bed guy like i'm i try to be as agnostic as possible because i realize like i'll hear about something and i'm like oh man i don't know for-profit prisons i mean like oh my god i try to be as agnostic as possible even though, like, I can't help myself, so they're just like, I just won't go there. I'm sorry, bro. Yeah, check check um, your priors at the door, right? Like, like uh, SPACs. SPACs are terrible, right? Like, nobody's ever made money in SPACs. Well, people made well, money in SPACs have. this year. Yep. I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the mis the, the Schwager books. Like, there's a few influential moments for me. And I sort of, like, when I read, uh, there was one, he did an interview with Jamie Mai, who you guys might know from the, the Big Short book. And like when that guy just described what what he was doing, it, it for me, like I, I read about these other investors, and like once or twice for me, it's sort of been, it must have been like 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 somebody in my like like when Springsteen saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, like he just knew what he wanted to do with his life, right? Like, and when I when I read certain interviews like that, like Jamie Mai was one. Uh, I read another one recently in uh, what. What, what, what the hell's the title of the of the William Green book that he just put out? But he interviewed the guys from uh, that Tom and I were talking about Nick Sleep um, from Nomad, and I was like, like sign me up, like like this is like just really speaks to me. And it's like when I the more I learn about some of these other investors this way, it's like eventually every once in a while you just come across something that like really speaks to you. And like in the in the Schwager books, the Jamie Mai interview, like that's all mispriced bets. Is that's always that's all he's looking for, or not? I should say all he's looking for, but most of what was described was just looking for you know a, a mispriced bet. You know, making taking something that's priced on a bin, uh, on a on a bell curve that's actually a binomial distribution and taking a big ass bet on it. If you've got an idea of what you think the probabilities are, like oh. like 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 hell yeah, like like that 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 speaks to me. Yep. Some of those guys were making huge bets. I mean, they were bets, to be honest with you. And then you look at someone like uh, Peter Brandt, who, who doesn't make any giant bets. He makes a lot of small bets. You know, so it's really quite fascinating how the whole 
as I as we as we're uh, uh, contemplating this whole thing, I mean, there's so many different ways of making money, and so many different investors who have so many different means of being able to make money, or at least try to make money. It's fascinating how the how the, how they spread throughout uh, um, the ideas. I mean, you know, whether it's cultural or uh, whatnot, you know, blah blah blah. Right? I, it's, 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 it was fascinating to me. Right. No, I love those books, and you—they're—they're they're all. Even though they look like they're all different new editions or whatever, they all have different people in them. The social arbitrage guys are interesting. The traders are interesting. Oh. The mispriced bets, the macro theme through equities—all these guys with different strategies—they're amazing. Love it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm on I'm on board with all that. So, all right, guys. Oh, Gary, you you were gonna say? I'm just wondering what else we got here, Bobby. I was going to say, I think that's a good place to end it right there. So uh, I think we covered we covered more than just uh, raw materials, mispricing and inflation today. I think we we hit we hit everything, which is good. So uh, with that, you know, let's get where everybody can go and find more information about you and follow you on social. Uh, Gary, you want to start there? I'm on the interwebs. My my company has a website. Uh, I have a podcast with Eric that we do sometimes in the market trenches. Uh, I was talking to somebody today that might be Good to come on. So uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know. I'm bad at this stuff, despite the that was, fact that that was pretty good. That was pretty good. In the market trenches, Gary Reeve and Eric Fury. You can find that anywhere you get podcasts, and it's also on the SNN network. You find our podcast providers. Gotcha. All right, Tom, where can people go and find you or book a tennis date with you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, mystery. I appreciate being flexible. No, uh, you know, go to my website, 507 Capital. This number is 507. And I'm on the interweb. I'm, I'm around. You can find me. Google my name. It's spelled funny. E-R-A-Z-I-E-L. Uh, always happy to chat with people. Love learning and always love different perspectives. So thanks for having me on. And, and Kevin, great to meet. So it's nice to meet another fun guy out in the market. So I'm a fun guy. Yeah, a real mushroom. <laughs> I'm coming for the well. I'll still have, I'll still break lobster with you. Is that what they say in Maine? I'll say break bread. They break lobster. No, they eat, they eat lobster. Lobster. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I can't get in with these manies. Say it right. These manies are just like, won't let me be a local. Manies. Yeah, I know. We just we try we try and use the local talk, and they just won't they just won't let us. No, they won't accept me. But that's and Kevin, where can people go find you on Twitter? I'm still at the good prick on Twitter, <laughs> and I'm surging again. Oh, you're surging. In, oh, I like yeah. it. You're, are you over a thousand? Self-actualizing? Are you transcending Twitter? And, and I think he's transcending. I'm a transcendor. I'm, a trans a I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not an influencer on, on Twitter. I'm a transcendor. You know, that blue Perfect. check mark is right around the corner. I don't know if I can, whatever. I can't say. Never mind. Have you yeah, heard so, of the blue check mafia? Yeah, the blue check, the blue check mafia. Yeah, All right, yeah. guys. Well, this has, been a, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for doing this. Uh, you can find every episode of the Investors Roundtable on the Planet Microcap podcast audio stream and also on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash SNMWire. I'm your host, Robert Kraft. Thank you all. See you next time. Bobby, thank you.